This is Brandy. Written by Kyle Brooks and based on the screenplay of the same name. Episode 2. Product of Pain. We would like to remind listeners that there are depictions of violence and sexual assault throughout. The first time I saw him in prison, it was like those horrific news stories from the 1970s that come off the page and into reality for me. It was all so real by that point. I had heard about this limp he had for most of his life, but to then see him in those overalls limping toward me, it was a strange feeling. It just heightened my anxiety in the fact that this is no longer just talk. This is real. The cafeteria that had armed guards at every corner of the room, and our table was the only one down in there, so it felt very, uh, like a like a very uh, sterile clinical environment in there. Not exactly the, the private atmosphere I was hoping for in a, in a cell or something. Thought So I thought, this is going to be a bust. He is not going to talk with all of this going on, but he proved me wrong. So, Harry, can I, can I call you Harry? That's fine. I'm Ken Sharpton. I'm a reporter for Channel 6 News. Yeah, 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 I know who you are. I really wanted to start out from his childhood. And as I say, we, we attempted to reach out to William and Miriam Bronte, Harry's parents, and they declined to take any part in it. So I figured I would dig a little deeper into his family life to try and see who else in his private circle we could talk to. The wife right now was a no-go. As we couldn't trace her, we searched for a Mrs. Emma Bronte, and we had nothing. We figured she's probably changed her name at this point in time, so we don't have that, and we don't have any leads on where she went after the trial. However, fortunately, there was a however. <laughs> I was contacted by a friend of mine, Tony Zavini, at the studio who said there were two people who wanted to speak to me about the Bronte interview that, that was going to go ahead. I just thought these could be crazed fans of Bronte's or, or someone trying to get in on the action. So I originally passed her over and said something like, take the name and we'll look to contact them back with no actual intention to do that. My friend then says to me, no, no, can I, I think you really might want to speak to them now. I'm saying, give me a break. Why? He then coldly says, because they're Harry Bronte's brother and sister. Before I nearly fell out of my chair, I thought, hang on. William and Miriam Bronte didn't have any other children, or not to my knowledge, they didn't. Still, I didn't want to potentially waste what could be a great lead that's fallen in my lap. So I talked to them briefly on the line. 
they introduce themselves as Noah and Ava Fry. True to Tony's word, they claimed they were the siblings of Harry Bronte. So, of course, I pointed out the obvious to begin with. Who changed the name? That's when things turned a little upside down. They suddenly say to me, what? You didn't know. Didn't know what? Harry was adopted as a young child. He became Bronte. Where do I begin? I suppose it's just best to start from where it all began for me. My name is Ava Fry. I am the oldest child of Johnny and Vivian Fry. I have two younger brothers, Noah and Harry. We grew up in a desolate farmland area in Arizona. I remember the nearest house to ours was five miles away, and it was just dusty roads and cropland. My father was a musician when I was growing up. My mother would look after me and my younger brother, Noah. I would like to say that even before Harry was born, that life at home was wonderful and caring, but it wasn't. I remember from a young age being scared all the time. There was a lot of fear in that house. My father drank a lot and my mother started drinking a lot. I think she started as it was her only escape from my father, but also being so isolated from everyone else in society. That suited my father fine though, because nobody would ever know what was happening in that house. It all started with a drink. My father would come home, drink, play music, and usually pass out in his chair by the end of the night. He would interact very little with us. The more drinking continued, the more abusive he became, and then my parents were arguing constantly. They couldn't be in the same room with each other. But then my mother fell pregnant with Harry. My mother kept the child, and my father was resentful of that. At one point, he even tried forcing her to drink a bottle of bourbon, just to try and kill the baby. Unfortunately for him, it didn't work, and Harry was born on August 23, 1951. Things in the house at that point had become pretty unbearable, and by eight, the time I was eight years old, my father had started abusing me. My mother did what she could to stop him, but he would wait until she was not home, or if she was home, he would wait until she went to bed and sneak into my room. Where was Noah at that time? He was in the same room. There was my parents' room and our room. Noah was terrified of him. He would literally have to stop himself from vomiting to be in his presence at times. He didn't know what he would do to him. And sometimes he could find things wrong just so he could beat him. And this all continued after Harry was born? Absolutely. I spent most of my time looking after Harry when he was born because it stopped my father from abusing me. He wouldn't do anything if I was holding Harry. It was like I could just put it off a little longer. Harry didn't really get it like the rest of us until he was older until our mother left. We woke one morning to find she had left. She couldn't handle it any 
father blamed Harry for her leaving. He felt this last child brought everything down, and he was now pumping gas for a living. It was another mouth to feed. It was more stress on their marriage, and he let him know it. Everyone knew exactly why she left. It was our sick bastard of a father. But I think at such a young age that it really got to Harry. I always thought that may have started his hate for women. But I don't know. All we had at that time was each other. And he was such a protective little brother. And he was always trying to protect us when we should have been protecting him. That's what led him to get his limp. Noah was there at the time that it happened. So, tell me about the limp, the car accident. It wasn't no car accident by now. I'm sure you all know that. I know you know, Ken. I have very little memory of what happened now. I hated my father and he hated us. After mom left, things got a lot worse. I wouldn't say I always got the brunt of it, but I saw too much of it. Thank you for meeting with me, Noah, under such short notice. It's all good. Did you speak to Ava? Yes, yes, I I spoke to her last night, actually. Quite an insight, huh? Very much so. You look a lot alike, I must say. Ava mentioned, obviously, some of the horrific things you all experienced in your childhood. Now, I was speaking to an old friend of Harry's from after his adoption by the Brontes, and he said that Harry always blamed his limp on a car accident as a child. However, Aver said you were there when he came to get this limp, if, if you can tell me a, a little bit about that. Well, Harry, Harry was the, the youngest of us three, but, but he was brave. He was, he was braver than me. I was terrified of our father. We all were, but Harry would always try and distract our father from anything he was about to do and one day that that really went too far it was late afternoon on a Saturday it was one of those days where it didn't seem to get any cooler no matter how late it got me, Ava and Harry were all playing ball in the backyard and our our backyard would lead onto this um, this cropland which would lead on for, for as far as you could see so we're playing ball a day like any other and then my father Johnny stumbles out of the back door intoxicated as he usually was and shouts Ava to, to come inside with him. Ava did as he asked but we all knew what that meant and what he was going to going to do to her. Harry and I just stared at each other for a moment not sure what to do and then uh, Harry says throw it Noah throw it I was like no no she'll she'll be back soon and Harry said you know she won't so throw it I didn't know he he had a plan at that time to try to try and help Ava so I, I threw the ball and Harry swings and that he swings that bat as hard as he could and it connects with the ball 
and shoots it straight into the window of the back bedroom. We just froze. And I said, run, Harry, just, just run. In what was seconds, my father he slams through the back door and he goes fucking insane. He was just shouting, well, which one of you little fuckers did that? Which one? I tried to be the big brother and I said, it, it was me. It was me. My father walks over to me and he says, then why is your brother holding the bat? Before I could think of an answer, he just hit me across the face and I, I dropped to the ground. He then kicked me in the stomach and I'll, I'll never forget what he said to me because he said this all the time to us. He said, never defend anyone that's not yourself. You understand me? All you got is you. Fuck everyone else. He then he walked over to Harry and, and took, took the bat from his hands grabbed him around the neck and just drug him off into the cropland. I didn't go after him. I stayed stood where I was, just staring into the crops. I remember all I could hear were these loud thuds and Harry screaming. He was just begging for him to stop hitting them. Between his cries, that's all he was screaming, but, but he didn't. He didn't stop. It went on for, well, it felt like forever at the time, but it was longer than anyone would beat their own worst enemy, I would say. There's the, the thuds, the cries, they never stopped. And then suddenly they did. And there was nothing. I was stood paralyzed and then I see my father running out of the cropland holding Harry in his arms. Harry wasn't moving and he wasn't conscious. My father then he shouts for me to grab the aspirin. I didn't think that was too weird at the time but much later I found out that before we took Harry to the hospital he pushed several aspirin down Harry's throat and told hospital staff that Harry had fallen down the stairs at home after taking the aspirin. I didn't know at this time, it was me and Ava, we had to wait outside. Then suddenly the police show up in the waiting area and took my father away to speak to him. I didn't know what was said to him, but I imagine he told him the same story as he told the nurses, and eventually they let him go. And we left Harry in the hospital. Very soon after that, we, we were at home, and we, we hear a knock at the front door, and my father, he, he, he went to the door, and it was the, the, the two same police officers who were in the hospital. That's when it clicked to me that my father told the hospital and I imagined the police the same story and that Harry had gotten the aspirin and had an episode and fallen down the stairs of our house. The thing is, when the officers came to check out the house, they didn't have to be homicide detectives to see that our house was one story wasn't two stories, it was one. 
He knew he was caught that moment, so he just bolted for the back door, carried on running into the croplands. Avery and I, we, we just stayed sat down on the couch. One of the officers, the, the other one chased my father. I don't know what happened out there, but they brought my father out and put him in a police cruiser, and he was towing up. I mean, bleeding all over his face, and he just sat in that police cruiser looking out the window, like finally saying him what he had done with his life. Was there nobody else, nobody you could go to? No, that was never an option. We lived 15 miles from the nearest town back then. It was just us and he knew that. We were his control and his possessions is the way I always saw it. Do you think that played a part in how you later saw your victims as possessions? No. No. I never wanted to take part of them with me, but to seclude them and feel them in my control? Yes. Yes, very much so. After mom left and I got older, my female role model was gone. And the person I could trust most had abandoned me. So... I started to feel serious hate toward her. After our father was taken away, we were all together in a foster home for a short time, but then we were split up. One family took Noah and me, and Harry was taken by the Brontes. Once Harry came out of the hospital, he had this limp, and as far as the doctors could say, his injuries were that severe that he would be left like that forever. It's hard to say, but now it's like it was just another abandonment to him. He lost everyone in a short amount of time on this planet that wasn't there. We never saw each other again for a very long time after that. What happened to your father? He hanged himself in prison a short time later. God, I fell for him. I fell for all of them. But Harry was a baby, and he lost his mother, his father, and then even his brother and sister. How do you look at the world after that? How do you look at, look at people? Then I kept thinking, he was getting ignored since he first walked on this earth. I don't know how long I could take that for. During their interview, Harry had now begun to open up a little more after Ken chopped away at the cracks of his childhood. The pain he suffered as a child was unbelievable. Ken wondered how it would ever be possible that the abandonment and abuse Harry had suffered would not leave scars on the boy to carve the man. His limp, a constant reminder of his past life. How did that make you feel when you found out your father was dead? In a strange way, I miss him. I've never understood that he was my father and maybe it was due to the fact that he was the only consistent person in my life up until then, but 
how can you miss someone who hated you, who raped your family and told you it was okay? I, I can't answer that, Harry. Exactly. Exactly. You can't answer it. That confused me for a long time after we left that house. But now I only regret I never had the chance to kill him myself. That feeling is not sick, apparently. How do you mean, not sick? Well, wanting to hurt someone who has hurt you doesn't seem to be sick to these doctors. They say that behavior is normal. They see that as human. Well, of course, I suppose it is always proportionality. Say, for instance, I left my wallet at a bar somewhere, and when I came back, it was gone. When what dipshit leaves his wallet on a bar? No, it's just an analogy. Just hear me out. If I did that and it was stolen, then I would want justice. And sure, I'd want that person's ass beat, but I wouldn't want them taken to the gallows over it. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's why you're sitting over there and I'm here. (laughs) I've had this limp in my left leg since I was 10 years old. Because I was beaten within an inch of my life by the person supposed to protect me. I saw and heard my father abuse my sister for many years. And he ripped me apart every chance he got because he couldn't bear his own life. I'd say it was proportional. Well, as I say, it was an analogy. But now you're thinking, what about your victims? How how was that proportionate? What what did they do to you? And we'll get to that. You kept saying all these things, but then you have to remind yourself Ava and Noah went through the, the same thing and they never became serial killers. Consequently, I was brought back to my conversations with Dwight and what was happening during the time Harry was discovering his sexuality. I, I think he already had a lot of hate inside of him. He felt ignored. And whilst his hormones were going to rage, he discovered something that sexually made him feel noticed and in control. It would be years until we saw him again. Only by chance, actually. He told me when we found each other again that he would eventually get adopted by the Brontes. He told me they couldn't have a child of their own. So after hearing about where he came from, they were happy to have him. I was so happy to hear that he wasn't alone through that childhood that he left. But I don't think he was expecting to stay there long. People struggle with troubled kids. They were good people from what I heard. But he always said they have passed on when I would bring them up. But obviously we know that that was another lie. That's when I became Bronte. Why did he take their names so urgently?
everyone know. I think he probably even surprised himself. I mean, to start where he did and attack Darlene Campbell that way, seemingly out of the blue, must have surprised him. If he even took the time to think about it, I don't know. I sometimes wonder if he never went to the dump that day, would he have ever gone on that road? Then I think, But why her, Harry? It was clear your friend liked her and you just thought you could take that? Look, girls didn't talk to me. I always put it down to my length and I didn't find it the most attractive feature about me. I was a weird kid. I had these taxidermy interests and I knew I was strange, but I didn't want to be part of what they enjoyed. Because you thought you were better than them? Yes. I thought developmentally everyone was behind me. And in my interests, I was a lot more talented than them. So in that sense, I could do what I wanted. And for this girl to then ignore me only began to infuse, infuse my hate for the opposite sex. I should have been taken notice of. I shouldn't have been left. I should have had a mother and I should have had protection. I hate being ignored. It's rude. So all those feelings are relating to your, to your, your mother. I suppose so. It would not be unfair to say that those feelings against women subconsciously began to develop when she abandoned me. She abandoned all of you, Harry. Well, as I say, I was a weird kid. Anyway, after this young girl blanked me, I began to obsess. It wasn't necessarily Harry. It was the fact that she thought she could not take any notice of me. In that sense, it could have been any girl, but unfortunately for her that day, it was her. I remember the newspapers all read the following day, freshman caught in attempted rape of classmate. That destroyed my foster parents and they didn't defend me. How could they? I was guilty of sin and nothing they could do, but turn their back on me at that point. But I was used to being left or ignored at that point. The hard thing to deal with was that this time was my fault. I was left. That was probably the hardest thing about going away for me. I had no right to do what I did. And I didn't take into account what that probably did to that young girl for many years or what it's still likely doing to her. You know her name, Harry. Why don't you just say her name rather than that young girl? Because I don't want to. It's too personal. Okay. So what happened after you were arrested? Juvenile Hall happened. I was sent there until I was 21. It was hell. 
next time on Brandy. He was a model kid from what I remember. I mean, he had his problems when he first came in here like anyone else, but he'd do whatever he was told. Never had a schooling issue, was never violent to staff, never verbally abusive to staff. He was good. You didn't enjoy it. What the fuck do you know about it, Ken? Have you ever killed? You ever take a life? You ever take 13? You don't know, and you'll never know.